All right. It is Friday, January 13, 2022. And my name is Fade965. Yes, that's F E D. Nine six five and uh welcome to baby blue viper yeah welcome what more is there to say i mean perhaps a lot more could be said but then again what's the point um because what you really need to know, and, um, you know, by the way, this is a, uh, this might be a first, if not, it's perhaps the second, where we're going to have, you know, two episodes here on the same day, since, you know, uh, and without it being an addendum. Or perhaps this is an addendum. Actually, this might be an addendum, um, as the previous episode was recorded um you know after midnight if i'm not mistaken um so that would be actually the two episodes ago i'm, I'm discounting you know our regular uh you know spanish uh, episode of the morning um uh so well who knows we'll just play it by ear it might be an addendum it might not be um either way you know i absolutely love it and um you know speaking of things um why don't we just you know get moving here then again i'm definitely not moving because i'm sprawled out on the bed right now and um i'm lifting you know the laptop to see here that you know we have nineteen thousand. well let me back up here i'm lifting the laptop to see here that the price of bitcoin is currently nineteen thousand. Four hundred and twenty-seven um, USD, and uh, that the block height is seven seven one seven eight nine, and that of course one Bitcoin is equal to one Bitcoin. And I will, you know, you know, attempt to open my book here. You know, like I said, I'm sprawled out on the bed. Um, but I can see here that we have eight hundred and um well, this is really getting tricky now. Um we have eight hundred do we still have eight hundred and nine days left? Um is this, well, you know, perhaps this will be the third time that the day will be crossed off. As it was crossed off earlier today in the Spanish language version. And then it was crossed off right at midnight uh, of the previous, you know, uh, the previous episode, right? Is that correct? Am I totally off on this? Is this right? I think this might be right. Um, yeah, I think this might be right. Um, so I think this will be the third crossing off 
of the day. Um, so yeah, so we did where we did have 809 days left. Um, and you know, speaking of, I am currently wearing a uh, red, white, pink, and uh, brown, uh, and a tiny bit of blue in there as well, tie-dye t-shirt. I've got really dark um, blue gym shorts on. I definitely don't have any socks on. I'm on top of the covers. You know, and, um, you know, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, this and that and, you know, pretty much everything else. Um, and let's just go right to the news, you know, just to get it over with here. Because I just want to get it over with, and that's just the way it goes sometimes. And if you don't understand that, then what do you understand? And let me tell you, from uh, CNBC, Ukraine War Live updates, Kiev denies Russia's claim of control over contested Solidar. Ukraine set to receive more Western tanks. From the AP, Biden political future clouded by classified document probe. From BBC News, Brazil riots despite rising fears, new round of protests flop. From Reuters, U.S. strongly committed to Japan's defense. Biden tells uh, Kishida hails military boost. From Reuters, 2022 tied as world's fifth warmest on record. Tell me about it. Um, from Bloomberg, Germany closes in on a decision to send leopard tanks to Ukraine. And um, from, um, uh, well, whatever. Um, you know, that's that. Um, and, you know, this was really the question that I was, you know, debating today. Um, you know, in between, you know, going to the bathroom and, you know, sprawling out on the bed. I was debating, you know, whether or not we should, um, you know, or continue our, you know, discussion of demons. Um, you know, I know this has been on the news or in the news a lot recently. Um, so, you know, what do you, what do you all think? So, I mean, should we, you know, continue our discussion of demons here? Or should we, you know, uh, circle back to existence? Um, oh, or should we, you know, continue our discussion or, or, or I mean, the updates on, you know, whether we have, you know, what kind of German Shepherd we have. And it, by the way, the, the jury is still out, so I don't really have an update. Um, I will be, um, you know, receiving more information next week, um, you know, as to, you know, if, he, uh, you know, if he's a DDR or, uh, you know, uh, uh, Eastern European Shepherd or, uh, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, show line. Um, you know, there's just a lot of moving pieces. As, as we all know, it's really, it's nothing that unusual, really. I mean, um, well, let, let me just see. Let me just see here if we can bring up, you know, what we have to bring up. Um, because I know, I mean, we got to. We have a lot to get to. We really do. And this is what I was, you know, I wasn't, I was trying not to, you know, not to get into everything because that's a lot. You know what I mean? I mean, if we get into everything, I mean, the last thing that we were covering was, you know, uh, aprotraic. When we were at the second temple, Judaism, you know, aprotropic magic. We had covered the, you know, a lot about the the Nephilim and the Watchers. Um, 
and I really don't want to dive back into the Nephilim and the Watchers. And it's just exhausting. It's really confusing because there doesn't seem to be any clear, you know, um, ideas, basically. And no one really knows what's going on with them, you know, throughout history. So that's why I don't want to get into the... Um, into the Nephilim. We're definitely not getting to the Nephilim. So that's over and done with. So if you want to, you know, you know, get into the Nephilim, uh, you're on your own. You can check out the previous episodes. You know, we try to cover a good amount of them. You know, who they are, where they come from, even though it's very nebulous. And, you know, I try to do, you know, some kind of dive there. But it is quite, quite hard to see. Um... Though I do think that we got a, you know, a decent picture. And as to the watchers, you know, the, the biblical angels here, and that they could be both good and bad, you know, depending if you're looking at the book of Daniel, or perhaps you're looking at, you know, the, the book of Enoch. Uh, so, you know, I'm really, I think we're, we might even be done with the watchers. Um, the, the, I don't, did we cover, we covered the book of Enoch um did we cover the second book of enoch because they, they do talk about the watchers in the second group this excuse me the second book of enoch um uh so in the second book of enoch you know wikipedia helping us here the jewish um pseudo-epigraph uh, second book of enoch refers to the Grigori, who are the same as the watchers of one enoch the slavic word uh Grigori used in the book is a transcription of the greek word egregoring meaning awakeful the hebrew equivalent is meaning waking Awake, chapter 18, pretends to Gregorius, countless soldiers of human appearance. Their size being greater than that of great giants. So are they bigger than Nephilim? They are located in the fifth heaven and identified as the Gregori, who with their prince, uh, Satanali, rejected the Lord of Light. One version of two Enoch adds that their number was 200 myriads, 2 million. Furthermore, some went down onto earth from the Lord's throne and there buried women, and befound the earth with their deeds, resulting in confinement underground. This would probably be the whole idea of, um, you know, then they gave rise to the Nephilim. The number of those who descended to earth is generally put at three. At three? Is this... A, what do you mean three? Get out. At three? But Andre Orlov, while quoting the text as saying three, remarks in a footnote that some manuscripts put them at 200 or even 200... Okay, or even 200 myriads, uh, myriads being 2 million, uh, 200 myriads being 2 billion. Chapter 29, referring to the second day of creation before the creation of human beings, says that one from out the order of angels or according to other versions of two Enoch, one of the order of archangels or one of the ranks of the archangels conceived an impossible thought to place his throne higher than the clouds above the earth that he might become equal in rank to the Lord's power. The Lord threw him out from the height with his angels, and he was flying in the air continuously above the bottomless. Although in this chapter the, the, the name Satanala is mentioned only in a heading added in one manuscript, this chapter too is often referred is, is often understood to refer to Satanala and his angels, the Grigori. The Merciful Dictionary of the Bible makes a distinction between the Grigori and the fallen angels by stating that in fifth heaven Enoch sees the giants whose brothers were the fallen angels. The Longer Recession of 2 Enoch 18.3 identifies the prisoners of second heaven as the angels of Satanel. Uh, Book of Giants. The story of the Watchers is also in the Book of Giants. What the hell is the Book of Giants? Excuse me. The Book of Giants is an apocryphal Jewish book which expands upon the Genesis narrative of the Hebrew Bible. 
in a similar manner to the Book of Enoch. Okay. Together with this latter work, the Book of Giants stands as an attempt to explain how it was that wickedness had become so widespread and muscular before the flood. In so doing, it also supplies the reason why God was more than justified in sending that flood. Okay, Book of Giants, huh? There's a dead, there's a dead Sea Scrolls version, huh? Whoa. Uh, okay, okay, okay. We're getting into it now. Oh yeah. Um, Philo, according to Philo uh, of Biblo, Centurion mentioned some living beings who had no perception out of whom intelligent beings came into existence. And they were called um, Zophaishim, watchers of heaven. And they were formed like the shape of an egg. Jesus. And Jubilees, the term watchers occurs in the book of Jubilees. The Damascus document, a reference to the fall of the watchers from heaven, is found in Hebrew. In the Damascus document, echoing one Enoch. Kabbalah, the Zohar, makes reference to the watchers of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. What exactly is the Zohar? Okay, the Zohar is a foundational work in the literature of Jewish mystical thought known as Kabbalah. It is a group of books that include a commentary on the mystical aspects of the Torah, the five books of Moses, and scriptural interpretations as well as material on mysticism, mythical cosmology, and mystical psychology. The Zohar contains discussions of the nature of God, the origin and structure of the universe, the nature of souls, redemption, the relationship of eagle to darkness, and true self to the light of God. Let's go, ho. Um, possible Babylonian Aramaic origin. According to Jonathan Bendov of the University of uh, uh, Haifa, the myth of the Watchers began in Lebanon when uh, Aramaic writers tried to interpret the imagery on Mesopotamian stone monuments without being able to read their Akkadian, uh, or Akkadian text. Omar Anus from the University of Tartu argues that the Watchers were intended as polemical representations of the Mesopotamian Apakalu, who gave wisdom to man before the flood which is portrayed as a corrupting influence in, in Enochian literature. We talked about this last time, did we not? Did we not? Um, the answer is yes. This whole idea of, um, you know, um, you know, giving, you know, divine beings, right? We were talking about Prometheus. We talked about, you know, the, you know, the serpent, uh, and, you know, with Adam and Eve. We talked about, um, uh, I think it was the Watchers, or, uh, perhaps. Um, Nephilim were probably in there somewhere. Um, uh, but this whole idea, right, of, um, you know, wisdom being imparted to, to humans, and then it becomes, you know, like a bad thing that, you know, we get this wisdom. I say we because, you know, uh, I think that, uh, you know, my listeners are, for the most part, humans. Though there probably are some other things among them, uh, among us, perhaps. Among us, and as to what I am, um, well, that's just uh, you know something that we're gonna leave open ended. Um, uh, so from uh, what's the apakalu in the abagal? Our terms found in cuneiform inscriptions that in general mean either wise or sage. In several t uh, contexts, the apakalu are seven demigods, sometimes described as part man and part fish, associated with human wisdom. These creatures are often referred to in scholarly literature as the seven sages. Sometimes the sages are associated with a specific uh, primeval king. After the deluge, see uh, Epic of Gilgamesh, further sages and kings are listed. Uh, Post-deluge, the sages are considered human, and in some texts are distinguished by being referred to as Umanu, not Abkalu. The terms Abkalu, as well as Abgal, is also used as an uh, uh, epithet for kings and gods as a mark of wisdom or knowledge.
A further use of the term apkalu is when we we're referring to figurines used in uh, apotropaic uh, rituals. These figurines include fishman hybrids representing the seven sages, but also include bird-headed and other figures. All right, so I think we're getting the idea um, of the apkalu, uh, and it really, you know, I think we're 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 done here with um, with the angels, uh, or I should say, with the watchers. We're probably not done with that with the angels. I'm sure we'll. Oh yeah, this brings me. This brought us back to um, Mastima. Um, remember Mastima, the angel who appears in the Book of Jubilees. He carries out punishments for God, as well as tempting humans and testing their faith. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's the chief of the Nephilim, the demons engendered, engendered by the fallen angels called Watchers with human women. Oh yeah, so we definitely covered, um, you know that. So I think we're pretty good here now. Um, yeah, I think we've got a really good grip on, on, um, on you know this part of uh, of the literature here. Um, I think we're we're, you know, we're ready to to move on to you know, um, you know, to how demons are are portrayed in Hinduism. Yeah, I think I think it's time. How about that? I think we're you know we're we're gonna call it a wrap on a lot of well, I'm sure we'll be back, so let's just move on. Uh in the Veda, gods on Deva and demons uh Asura share both the upper world. It is only by the time of the Brahmanas that they are said to inhabit the underworld. The identification of Asura with demons stems from the description of Asura as formerly gods, Purava Deva. The gods are said to have claimed heaven for themselves and tricked the demons. Ending on earth, during the Vedic period, gods aid humans against demons. By that, gods secure their own place in heaven, using humans as tools to defeat their cosmic enemies. Asura, in the earliest hymns of the Rig Veda, originally meant any supernatural spirit, either good or bad, since the LS of the, Lindica, of the Indic linguistic branch is cognate with the H of the early uh, Iranian uh, languages. The word Asura, representing a category of celestial beings, is a cognate with Old Persian Ahua. Ancient Hinduism tells that Devas, also called Suras, and Asuras are half-brothers, sons of the same father, Kashipa. Although some of the Devas, such as Varuna, are also called Asuras, later during the Puranic Age, Asura and uh, Rakshasha came to exclusively mean any of a race of anthropomorphic, powerful, possibly evil beings. Dai, yeah, literally the sons of the mother deity in Maya Daneva, Rakshavan, lit from harm to be guarded against in Asura, are incorrectly translated into English as demon. With increase in asceticism during the post-Vedic period, withdrawal of, of sacrificial rituals was considered a threat to the gods. Ascetic humans or ascetic demons were supposed to be more powerful than gods. Oh, boy. Pious, highly enlightened Asura, such as uh, Pralada and Vibhishana, are not uncommon. Oh, look at that. The Asura are not fundamentally against the gods, nor do they tempt humans to fall. Many people met uh, metaphorically interpret the Asura as manifestations of the ignoble passions in the human mind and as symbolic devices. There were also cases of power and hungry Asuras challenging various aspects of the gods, but only to be defeated eventually and, and seek forgiveness. Hinduism advocates the reincarnation and transmigration of souls according to one's karma. Souls atman of the dead are judged by the Yama and are accorded various purging punishments before being reborn. Humans that have committed extraordinary wrongs are condemned to roam as lonely, often uh, mischief-mongers, spirits for a length of time before being reborn. Many kinds of such spirits, uh, Vitalas, 
Pishashash Bhutto are recognized in the later Hindu texts. According to Hinduism, demons are not inherently evil beings, but good by following their dharma, what is being evil and deceitful. However, nothing is purely evil or good. And a demon could eventually abandon his demonic nature. Oh boy. So a demon could abandon his demonic nature. So let's you know, dive into Asuras here. The Asuras, these are the class of beings in Indic religions. They describe as power-seeking clans related to the more benevolent divas. In Hinduism, in its Buddhist context, the word is sometimes translated Titan, Debugard, or Anti-God. According to Hindu scriptures, the Asuras are in constant battle with the divas. Asuras are described in Indian texts as powerful, superhuman demigods with good or bad qualities. In early Vedic literature, the good Asuras are called Adyatis and are led by Varuna, while the benevolent ones are called Danavas and are led by Vitra. In the earliest layer of Vedic texts, Agni, Indra, and other gods are also called Asuras, in the sense of their being lords of their respective domains, knowledge, and abilities. In later Vedic and post-Vedic texts, the benevolent gods are called divas, while benevolent asuras compete against three divas and are considered enemy of the gods. Asuras are part of Hinduism, along with divas, yakishas, rakaishas, fierce man-eating beings, or demons, brutas, ghosts, and many more. Asuras have been featured in many cosmological theories and legends in Hinduism and Buddhism. All right, so you know, yeah, you know, we're starting to get somewhere. You know, we're starting to you know understand a little bit of well, you know, a little bit of this and that, and this whole idea of you know demons and uh, you know what they are, and you know what's uh, I guess their role in this whole endeavor um so yeah you know um you know i got a lot i gotta get back to something actually so you know uh, speaking of demons um why don't we why don't we pause right here let's let this marinate right let's really soak it in you know what i mean and uh, you know, think about demons. Uh, you know, think about the nature of reality. We this does you know tie back. It's actually a great place to you know to go to. You know exactly where we need to go here. Um, exactly where we need to go. Um, okay. So remember, we were talking about um, uh. Um, what's it called? Um, you know, we, we, we covered, uh, well, we'll just, you know, make sure that we covered again. Uh, so, yeah, it is good to remind ourselves that, you know, the Dharmic middle way view here, you know, the Indian philosopher Nagaruna largely advanced existence concepts and fo uh, founded the Madhyama school of Madhyata Buddhism. Remember that? In Eastern philosophy, Aniko and permanence describes existence. It refers to the fact that all conditioned things, Sankhara, are in a constant state of flux. In reality, there is no thing that ultimately ceases to exist. Only the appearance of a thing ceases as it changes from one form to another. Imagine a leaf that falls to the ground and decomposes. While the appearance and uh, relative existence of the leaf ceases, the components that form the leaf become particulate material or goes on to form new plants. Buddhism teaches a middle way, avoiding the extreme views of eternalism and nihilism. The middle way recognizes there are vast differences between the way things are perceived to exist and the way things really are. The differences are reconciled in the concept of a shunyata by addressing the existing object's served purpose for the subject identity and being. What exists is in non-existence because the subject changes. 
Trayulokia elaborates on three kinds of existence, those of desire, form, and formlessness in which there are karmic rebirths. Taken further to the Trukia doctrine, it describes how the Buddha exists. In this philosophy, it is accepted that Buddha exists in more than one absolute way. Do you understand? Okay, I, I'm really trying to, you know, make it real clear here, and we'll just make it even clearer that the Trilokya literally means three worlds. It can also uh, refer to three spheres, three planes of existence, three realms, and three regions. And remember, uh, it was uh, three watchers, right, um, that um, that came down to Earth. That's according to one of the uh, um, uh, documents, right? And, um, we saw that three, and I was in shock. But there it is, three, three, three. Uh, conceptions of three world, uh, worlds, Triloka, appear in Hinduism, Jainism, as well as early Buddhist texts. Hindu cosmology, the concept of three worlds, has a number of different interpretations in Hindu cosmology. Traditionally, the three worlds refer to either the earth, Buklama, Heaven, Siva, and Hell, or the earth, Buklama, Heaven, Siva, and the netherworld. The Brahmanda Purana conceives them to be Vuta, Bhavavuta, and Pava. In uh, Vaishnavism, the three worlds are often uh, described to be Bur, Buddhiva, and Shiv, the gross region, the subtle region, and the celestial region. In the Niyapiyama, Amana covers his second step on the three worlds of Mahima, Janiki, and Chavalong, all of which are considered to be a part of the seven heavens. Buddhist cosmology. In Buddhism, three worlds refer to the following destinations for karmic rebirth. Kamioka in the world of, of desire, typified by base desires, populated by hell beings, preta, hungry ghosts, animals, humans, and lower demigods. Rapiupe is the world of form, predominantly free of baser desires, populated by Diana dwelling gods, possible rebirth destination for those well-practiced in Diana. Uh, Yupeke is the world of formlessness, a non-corporal realm populated with four heavens, possible rebirth destination for practitioners of the four formlessness stages. All right. So there we go. Um, so let's just pause there and let's just let it all soak in, you know, let it all soak in and let's focus on this. And, uh, it is Friday the 13th. If you're into that, uh, so, excuse me, um, you know, have a good one. Enjoy your Friday, you know, um, you know, uh, have sex. If you're into that, um, and do whatever else you're into on a Friday uh, or not, um, it's really up to you. Um, you know, as regards good and evil and existence and demons, um, uh, it is to be continued. So with that, I will uh, see you soon.